0: Because we are living in such an information-saturated world. You know, there is, there, there, there is no way we can absorb everything, right? You just open your, your whatever social media platform. There's hundreds <laughs> and hundreds and hundreds in a typical uh, half an hour's scroll time we have. Spent. Yes, so all of us have this filter in our mind. And this filter is, why should I care? Why is this yeah. important to me? Right, mm. so in order to get through that filter, you have to answer the question. If you don't answer the question for the audience of why they should care, uh, that's it. That's gone. You know, it's just one stroke, uh, one finger stroke, uh, and it's that's your chance gone.
1: This is the legit podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Learning Just In Time podcast or Legit for short. Where we're going to share with you hacks, insights, ideas and tips for you to learn just in time. Today, we're going to explore the question, do you want to become a content creator or learn the art of how to convince and convert just by using the art of your keyboard or the art of writing? Is the art of writing becoming a law art? Becoming content creator today has increasingly become a fan, a trend, even a career today, right? To so many, so many youths want to be the next influencer, podcaster, live streamer. But what does it take? Is this a real career worth pursuing? What about bloggers and people who write? Do they have a future in content creation? Are they still relevant? Today, let's hear from a person who has been named as Marketing in Asia's rising 70 LinkedIn personalities of 2020. My friend from Malaysia, Mr. Lai Chi Singh. Hi, Chi Singh. How are you today?
0: Hi Rizwan, I'm good. Thank you for having me over.
1: Uh it's a pleasure. has uh, been I think this is the first time actually that we are actually talking face to face on uh, live online. So yes, this yes. is a side effect of the pandemic as well, right? So it's really That's good right. to see you today.
0: Yeah. If borders uh, uh, open again, I, I think I need to go to Singapore and meet up. Uh, yes, yes. I met quite a number of people on LinkedIn from Singapore.
1: Sure, sure. But yeah, but we all miss lah. Like, I think uh, a lot of Singaporeans miss uh, going to the to JB. This is used to be our national pastime. We used mm. to go to JB every weekend, Saturday, Sunday, to do three things. Number one, eat. Number two, take petrol. <laughs> and number three, uh yeah, have a uh, uh, you know, have, buy groceries lah, And then yeah, just yeah, yeah, this is our national pastime. Yeah. So, but thank you for having us today. Uh, uh, meet, uh, coming into this podcast today. Uh, and I uh, just wanted to maybe before we actually go into uh, asking the questions, maybe you could introduce yourself. Maybe share a little bit of why you do what you do
0: right now. Right. Uh. Okay. So I've been a content writer or copywriter, more more exactly. Mm. I started out almost twenty five years ago. Mm. Uh. I, I had big amb- I had big ambitions in those days. You know, I wanted to, mm. uh, wanted to be an award winning copywriter. You know, work in international agencies i uh, wanted my name up in lights you know one of the best in the industry Retired at 40 with a million bucks in my bank account but unfortunately none of that happened <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what happened was i came up i graduated in 97 with a diploma mm. in graphic design mm. uh, but then i decided i graphic design was too much work i rather, <laughs> I, rather <laughs> do, I rather do writing so i went into um an agency but that uh, that agency had a really toxic environment but hmm. uh, I, I couldn't leave because shortly after that uh, the 98 my financial crisis hit ah, okay and yeah so agencies everywhere were firing people and those that were hiring they could get real award-winning uh, talent at discount hmm. prices Right, so, so I couldn't I couldn't move out of the agency that I was with um, and I was stuck there for a year and a half until my sisters uh, said, well uh, you know, I want to start a, a children's education business. Would you be interested? <laughs> so I said, sure right anything is better than here. So <laughs> so I, I jumped uh, and I left uh, and that was the last time I was under employment right <laughs> For one and a half years I, that is my total employment history. Uh, and so, I've been doing education since then, um, twenty over years already. And uh, but at the same time, I still I still did my writing freelance. And uh, but I didn't have, I didn't have many, I didn't have a. In fact, I had almost zero network. I probably had only one or two people that would introduce work to me at that time. Um, because the because the turnover in the company and the, the company was so toxic. The turnover in the company was really high. In in the company was about 15, 20 people in the staff. But within that year plus, I think over 50 or 60 people had come and gone. Right? Mm. So imagine the turnover is crazy. Mm. Uh, so, so from there, you know, this couple of people they will toss they will toss me some some jobs once in a while. Uh, so I I really struggled a long time uh, with my writing career uh, and I think the breakthrough only came in 2012 so you can imagine 1998 to 2012 that's 14 years almost 15 years <laughs>
2: uh,
0: uh, I, was your, I was your typical struggling writer you know you couldn't get any jobs and all that uh, but 2012 was when my education side came to a crisis and I thought I was gonna lose everything. Mm.
2: Um
0: and, and I was pretty broke broke at that time, you know, even my education business wasn't doing well. Uh so faced with the prospect of losing everything, you know, we just prayed, God please <laughs> nothing else we can depend on, it's only you. So um then I I sent out an SOS to a couple of people. Um, the things that I've done some pro bono work before last time. Mm. And these people appreciated what I had done together with them, right? Uh, so so they said, okay, they'll keep an eye out for me. And one of them introduced me to Yahoo Malaysia. They were looking for, they were looking for a, a producer for their editorial team, part-time producer. So that's when I, that's when, that's when I, I think the breakthrough came at, at that point. You know, when I, when I got the Yahoo job, mm.
2: um,
0: I thought. Okay, finally, my dream of being international, award-winning, you know, retired at 40, that was going to come true. But that didn't <laughs> happen because Yahoo was already in its last legs at that, at that point of time, Yeah, right? <clears throat> uh, and and they officially closed down the Malaysia office, I think in 2014, 2015. So I lost that job. Um, But what happened after that was a lot of other doors opened, right, because of the Yahoo name. So, so I got. uh, After that, I got. uh, uh, I went into digital marketing agency as a copywriter. So I was uh, on a retainer with them, and then more recently, I've. uh, 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 I'm on a retainer with a PR agency. So. It's it's quite diverse. So digital media, digital marketing, public relations, uh, advertising and marketing. And then in between those desert years between uh ninety eight and two thousand twelve, uh that's when I did everything under the sun, you know. Every everything that people toss to me, can you do this? I just said yes. You know, so all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So that's basically in a nutshell my, my career path. Not as <laughs> Not as linear or or fantastic as uh, uh, a lot of people, but uh, certainly a lot of uh, school of hard knocks inside. uh.
1: Sure. So it looks like it's quite a journey uh, from you actually starting out and say, Hey, I want to be this uh, award winning copywriter. But actually, uh, like, I think we've heard a lot of stories, even when we talk about book authors, like maybe J.K. Rowling, they always had that, you know, that, that long journey of becoming a writer, mm-hmm. making yourself relevant. And maybe uh, that, that was your journey as well. What were some of the lessons right, that you took up from that uh, journey itself? And maybe mm-hmm. something that you can share with, you know, maybe aspiring writers out there, people who probably yeah. want to become, you know, good, In writing maybe become a good content creator
0: yeah so one thing i think that sustained me at the time was uh, my Mm. my dream of being at an international level or at least a recognized copywriter and my heroes at the time was uh, david ogilvy one of my heroes Mm. right you were mentioning that uh, you also (laughs) wanted to work in the uh, o and m yeah, 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 but the is such never, a brand name. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I never had that chance. Um, hmm. but even though I didn't have the chance, uh, I never let go of that desire of mine to be one of the best. Hmm. Right. So so, uh, I bought books. Uh, I bought his book Ogilvy Advertising, and I'm. I think I think it's really. Um. Uh, one of the best decisions I made because I was still very new in the in the industry at that time. Probably that's one of my first professional books that I bought. Mm-hmm. So I um it's even though the actual working environment that I was in was very toxic, the the book became my seafood. The book became my mentor. Right? Um, because he not only talks about how to write? He talks about how he approaches communication and advertising, uh, and marketing. And that really, that really was the something, something that really uh, built up until today. Who I am today, right? Because I, I always carry his wisdom with me. Uh, that that's your advertising, your content, your writing has to solve a business problem, has mm. to address this business problem, right? You're not writing out of artistry because we're commercial writers. Yeah. Okay. that's one. Uh, so I bought a number of books that that helped me a lot. Um, uh, not only books about writing, but I also bought books about uh, uh, what do you call it uh, self development as well. Mm. About leadership, about communication, and then I read. I also uh, understood that uh, companies spend a lot of money on market research, focus groups, and things like that. Now I didn't have a chance to do any of those, but. I did the next best thing, you know. Go to a shopping mall, watch people. Go to a restaurant, watch people. Right, be the, Yeah, the, yeah. The the point is, we need to understand people in order to be able to connect and and write for these people, right? So so I would I would look at the people, how they treated each other, how they spoke to each other, and try to reverse engineer, right? Okay, uh, what is going through their their minds? You know, what kind of uh, person are they? And that has really helped me a lot also because having this habit of people watching, it helps me really, really get into the, the mind of uh, the people and, and to understand human nature. Right. So, so that definitely helps me as a writer because when I understand human nature, uh, at, at this point in time, when I start writing, for example, uh, I would imagine who I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. I have a picture in my mind of a of a person, a typical person that I'll be speaking to on this project, right? And uh, having that that picture in my mind is very helpful because uh, I sort of like I have a com- invisible conversation. And that's my mental process, invisible conversation with the person, uh, and that's that's how I, I'm able to pitch the right information at the right tone using the right words, right? I'm not saying it's 100% accurate, but at least it gets me 80-90% of the, the way there. Uh, it, it's a very useful process for me.
1: Sure. Mm. So I guess that what you're saying is that actually we need to remember who we are serving, you know what, when we are writing, who is it for? So that we are able yeah. to connect because we are all humans, right?
0: Correct, correct. So I, I have this, uh, what I call the five Q process, uh, the five questions mm. process. It's not, the, it's not the who, what, when, where, why, but it's, mm. it's more focused more to help us focus. Uh, why we are writing? How uh, who we are targeting? So the first is we need to understand. We need uh, the five questions we need to ask ourselves before we start. First, we need to know what is the purpose we are writing this for. Mm. Right, because because if you don't have a clear purpose, yeah, Simon Sinek says always oh, start mm. with why, right? So even for mm. content creation, we start with why. Uh, if you are not clear on the purpose. Basically we're just throwing a bunch of seeds outside there and see see what hits, you know, what grows. So yeah. it's not targeted, it works, but it's not efficient, right? Yeah. So so when we start with why we know exactly what is the purpose of this, then that gives us a very strong focus where we want to go. Right. Mm. So we're not we're not going everywhere. Secondly, we need to ask who? Who are we speaking to? Um, then when when we have a clear picture of who and why we are speaking, then, okay, we can see the journey. We can see the starting of the journey. We can see the ending of the journey, the objective of the journey, right? So uh, then the third thing we need to ask, um, why should they listen? Uh, Because we are living in such an information-saturated world. You know there is there, there, there is no way we can absorb everything right you just open your your whatever social media platform there's hundreds <laughs> and hundreds and hundreds in a typical uh half an hour scroll time we have we yes, spent right. so all of us have this filter in our mind and this filter is why should i care why is this yeah. important to me right mm. so in order to get through that filter, you have to answer the question. If you don't answer the question for the audience of why they should care, uh, that's it. That's gone. You know, it's just one stroke, uh, one finger stroke, uh, and it's that's your chance gone. So, why we are doing this? Who we are speaking to? Why should they care? And this why should they care has to be on their terms, not on my terms. Not mm. I tell you this because this is important for you. The Response on the other side will be who, who do you think you are? Why should I care?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes,
0: so it has to be on their terms why it's important to them. They have to understand that <laughs> they are interested in this, and then, uh, fourth will be uh, what is the response I want them to have? Again, this is very focused because if I just give you a piece of information, even if you have accepted it, uh, what's next? Right? So so there has to be some form of uh forward movement, right? Either you want them to take an action to subscribe to something, follow you on social media, uh maybe change their opinion about something, you know, take an action to change their life or do 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 some recycling, whatever it is, there has to be some form of response. Because if there is no form of response, that means the the communication loop has not completed. Mm right uh, and then fifth would be where do i find them where do i find and reach them so this is the five um and and i teach this in my webinars as well so this is the five the five Q process uh i think it's really really crucial to have clarity on before you start writing otherwise it's shit and miss you just you just try your luck.
1: sure so it's like a it's like a checklist that you actually need to clear in before you mm. actually start your writing itself so you know what is the exact narrative or tone, what all kind of words that you want to employ. One yeah. question that I have in mind itself, right, because you actually said that, uh, you know, we have this filter, why should I care itself? I, yeah. I think one of the research that I came across, as, even as a trainer, I came across this research that attention is currency, that our mm. attention span on average, uh, an adult attention span at 21 years old is only 8 seconds. Like Within mm. the 8 seconds, you need to be able to captivate your audience. Uh. So I was yeah. wondering, right, How do you do that? How do you capture the attention within just that few seconds of you looking like a social media post and then to capture Mm. attention so that they will actually stop instead of scrolling over and swiping to the next one. So I was just wondering, how do you do that in such limited time itself?
0: Sex and violence. (laughs) 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 That always
1: sells. (laughs) (laughs) It's the movies, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. But if you don't want to go that way, then then, uh, we need to be a bit more strategic. First of all, we need to know, it it comes back to the five questions, right? First of all, we need to know our audience.
2: Hmm.
0: In fact, first of all, we need to know what is our purpose, and then we know the audience. Okay, then let me describe how this works, right? We know our purpose, that means we have a certain message we want to bring up. Okay? Then we know the audience, which means we need to know what are their concerns what are the pain points they are feeling what are the issues that they are facing that mm. they want answers to right what are the things that they are looking for that they want to improve about their lives all these kind of things we need to understand then it's just a matter of matching what we what we want to do with what they they want to achieve right uh, so for and, and that means we cannot say everything uh, we cannot say one thing to everybody that that doesn't work at all. Because if you speak to everybody, it's it's just as good as speaking to nobody, right? Imagine you're going into a room and suddenly you make an announcement, I have this product and is this good for you? You might have 50 people in the room and nobody's going to listen, right? Because you're speaking to nobody, you're just shouting into the air. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Right? But if you walk around the room and then you start to find a group of people who are conversing about a certain topic and then, hey, I can contribute to that conversation you go to that group, you, you start a conversation with them, and you speak the things that you need to say uh, in that they are interested to hear, you will get your attention, right? Mm. So so it's the same with social media. And anyone expecting that I can create a magic headline that everybody will pay attention to, doesn't work. It doesn't work. But when you know your audiences, then you know how to create the headline. The headline is your 8 seconds,
2: mm. Right.
0: So you know how to create that headline where it will capture that segment of audience that you want to speak to, right? And, and this is where the, uh, you need to be strategic. A lot of people think that, oh, I need to be very creative in my writing. Actually, no. You need to be very strategic in your writing. You need to be very focused and targeted in your writing. It can be very simple. It can be as simple as, are you a business owner facing this, this, this issue? And if I am mm. a business owner facing this, this this issue, you
1: have my eight seconds, right? Yeah, that's true. So, You're Just calling out a yeah. person already, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so there are I mean other tips. Uh, uh, headline, headline tips. How you write headlines that capture attention. But it it basically the 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 principle is that you have to know your audience, and you mm. have to state. Uh, you have to state the issue in such a way that lets them know that. It's in their best interest to look at this, right? Because you want to capture that, why should I care, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's how you capture them first. Uh, thereafter, of course, there's a whole process of retaining their attention, right? Hmm. Um, And that's one of the other things that I feel a lot of people misunderstand. Uh, there is this unconscious uh, assumption that people will read until the end. Yeah. Actually, nobody reads until the end. Absolutely zero people start a a piece of content and say, I will read it until the end because he doesn't put it. Right? Absolutely zero. They will continue to read as long as it continues to be relevant and interesting. That's all. The moment it stops becoming relevant and interesting, they're gone. Right? So so that process has to continue. It starts with the headline and then it starts with the first paragraph. The first paragraph has to be interesting enough to lead them to the second paragraph, and then that has to be interesting enough to lead them to the third paragraph, fourth paragraph, and so on and so forth until the end. Right? And that the ending, and that's why I was saying it has to it has to uh, have a response, a call to action for them, right? That ending that ending must give them a sense of ah,
1: Aha moment. Complete. Yeah. It's
0: complete. Right? Mm. So either through a call to action, either through a form of encouragement, either through a conclusion that gives them new insights, whatever it is, there has to be an ending uh, that makes people feel satisfied. So So this whole process uh, is very intentional, very strategic. Right. So it's it's not just a matter of writing beautifully and, and you know, people will appreciate it. I've seen a lot of beautifully written uh, Jesus. pieces yeah, <laughs> and halfway through I'm like, oh, where is this going? you know they're so flowery, you know <laughs> it, it just feels so so uh stu- what what's the word stuffy right because of all the all the all flowery like, yeah yeah, mm.
1: I agree, so I guess that uh. So it's very strategic, right, about, you know, how do you write a piece of content to be able to convince or convert, you know, people to do something that you want them to persuade them to do something itself. Uh, And personally, I'm actually a a graduate of political science. So Mm. when I was in university, right, I was taught, all I did in university was write essays, Mm. every week 5,000 words, just write, 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 write. And when I first started out doing the job that I'm doing, even though I'm a trainer itself, right, I'm also in involved in a bit of social media copy i, I learned copy uh on my own okay, i actually mm. uh actually read this book or called i'm not sure what's the name of the book i think epic copywriting or something like that yes it was a very uh was something that was passed down to me I was just you know something that i just had to do bootstrap myself I had to learn on my own mm. itself right and i found that actually um uh, what you are taught in school if you're not in a design school of a copywriting school and what copywriting really is is very different and you yeah. know sometimes you mm. have to change the mindset itself right? So I was just yeah. thinking, what's the difference? And you know, if I'm uh, if I'm you know naturally trained to write academic papers in school itself, what changes mm. do I have to make in order for me to become a good copywriter? Uh I think I think if you
0: have the right mindset, um mm. the, the changes are really actually very minimal. Mm. Uh, it's just a matter of learning the, the the specific skills for that particular uh platform or the particular uh niche. Like for example, um I've seen I've seen advertisements for UX UI writers. Yep. I'm thinking, wow, what do UX, UX UX UI writers write? Oh, they write the little the little call to action boxes. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. You, you can be a specialist in that. How do you do that? How much time do you how much time do you need to write the you know call to actions? <laughs> but uh but that skill, um, if you apply it properly, is is still the same, right? You you need to understand yeah. your audience. Uh, yes. Once your audience have come to a certain point in the in their audience, um, in their user journey, right? At this point, you have to sort of know what is on their mind already, so that you can write in such a way that captures their attention. So the um uh, the principles are the same. For example, uh, I I wrote the white paper last time. The white paper was about mm. uh twenty thousand words. Hmm. Um, but I struck the structure of the the structure of the content flow was what we would call a story structure mm. right so I'm not telling stories in 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 the white paper the white papers are very technical very 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 professional yeah,
2: is, yeah.
0: yeah so but the structure of it uh, there's a there's a story structure there's a hero the hero is actually the industry players that we are addressing yeah uh, and then there's the story there's the normal the status quo before the the, the uh, of the normal uh, where the hero is living so that's basically is the problem statement of of the current situation in the industry right then the, the, in the hero's journey there must be something called a conflict the conflict must mm. push the hero out of the normal and then the hero must go on a journey to to grow and overcome all these obstacles yeah so After the problem statement, then that's where we went into exploration, all the solutions, right? So, solution A, it it has to be like this, but it doesn't work because of this. Solution B, this works, but the obstacles are these. Solution C, you know, this is ideal, but DEF has to be in place, which are not yet, blah, blah, blah. So, you have problem, 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 obstacle to overcome, right? So, we can see the end inside, but there are obstacles to overcome. And then finally, uh, there has to be the conclusion, the solution, the resolution, where mm. the, the, the hero overcomes and finally wins and learns something or triumphs over the uh, adversary in some way. So, that white paper was about e waste on, on a global scale. So, there is no triumph, <laughs> right? There is no winning this, this problem <laughs> right, right away. So, what did we do? Uh after we outline all the possible solutions and all the obstacles that that um uh make it not feasible in the short term, yeah, so the conclusion is okay, these are the small things you can do
2: mm-hmm.
0: right uh that uh not only the small things but these are the what we identify the key leverage points. If you do mm-hmm. this, it can be leveraged to something else yeah right and 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 lead to bigger solutions so so you can see the whole thing is structured according to a story and yeah. and that and and because it's structured like a story uh the response was very 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 good from from the from the recipients of the the report right in fact people ask me are you a subject matter expert <laughs> how long have you been in the recycling industry i said no <laughs> i've only been on this project for 3 months <laughs> but uh the, the story structure is very interesting because I, I, I think we are, I don't have the research to back this up, but I think somehow we are genetically programmed to understand stories, right? Mm-hmm. You can see yeah. from babies, one year old, two years yes. old, the moment we start telling stories, they get so excited, right? They love to yeah. hear stories. <laughs> so So, we are genetically programmed to respond to stories. And I, I don't think I did any groundbreaking work in that report because it was all based on research into other people's research, hmm. right? So th- there really wasn't anything groundbreaking, but it was presented in such a way that uh, it led people through a journey and it gave people a sense of conclusion at the end, as I was saying just now, right? And so that's why people felt like this is something that, you know, worth worth listening to. so So... That there, there are um, skills and strategies and formats that we can use. Um, of course, I'm I uh, I was able to do that because at that time I had about twenty years experience of doing this. But over time, as you apply yourself you know, to to these strategies, uh, to these techniques, uh, you you'll find that your 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 effectiveness as a writer will increase.
1: Mm. So it's like you're like a creature, man is like right? They like to say that man is a creature of habit. Huh? So you realize that you practice it, you be consistent, and then you realize that following the structure, then it will come quite naturally to you. Huh? Yeah, yeah I think in, that in fact,
0: uh, in fact I think I have a sort of a natural storytelling kind of um um I'm not I'm not sure whether you call it a talent, but um I I I, I like stories, so so uh, I I have a natural feel for what would be a good starting and what would be a good ending, you know, and how to loop it all together, and that has really helped me a lot in my writing because
2: um,
0: I I learned all these structures only later, right? Mm. So I've always been writing based on how I feel, you know, how how it works, but later when I learned that oh, there is actually a structure to this, I I managed to put names and and diagrams to it. Then I understood what I was doing and then I, I became uh, more accurate, you know, it wasn't just by feel. Sure. Uh, yeah, but <coughs> but you know, if you if you have uh, if you have no experience yet, then you can start from the diagram and build yourself. So I started from feeling and then for solidified with the diagrams and, and techniques. But you can start from the diagrams and techniques and, and as you practice you gain a feel for it, right? So it becomes more yeah. natural.
1: Yeah, it works both ways itself. Yeah, I think definitely. it works both ways, right? Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people who started maybe about twenty years ago, when you know we, we don't have much uh, information online, like mm. we, last time we didn't have Google, we had to go to the library, read the yeah. encyclopedia. A lot of information right. is not readily available. I think they all we all go by feeling first, mm. right? And then uh, and then sometimes we there are days that we feel oh this is magical. Then later you find mm. the method behind the magic itself.
2: Uh, and right, then, right. Yeah,
1: but today I think that we can learn from so many of these people about you know, what's the method and then we find our own voice, I guess, when we do the right yeah. thing. It's
0: that's
1: right. Also ring whether you actually uh even with, with that feeling and even with the method that you now know, this is how I do it, do you actually have days where you have a writer's block and what do you do to overcome the writer's block?
0: Definitely I writer's block. Um <laughs> 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 uh... But I just want to address what you said earlier. Uh, yeah. quickly address. Sure. Uh, I think I think one of the things that we did have last time, when we weren't so digital and virtual, we we mm. had mentors in the office. Oh, right. Uh, even though as I mentioned, my 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 working environment was really toxic. I had a I had one mentor especially. Uh, I don't know why he he took a liking to me, and mm. um he didn't teach me. Much about the writing techniques, but he really challenged me in how I think. Right, I was a freshie at that time, very really naive. Uh, so in the conversations he had with me, he he really challenged me about how I think, you know, how to look at things, and and I grew up a lot because of that. Uh, and and that sense of maturity, you know, is transferable to to, to your writing. So I um but in uh, what i notice in today's context because yeah. the demand for writers is so high and the speed of things is moving very fast um so i think i think this mentorship is lacking right uh turnover within the uh uh i mean turnover for employees typically two three years mm-hmm. right before they move to another company mm-hmm. and if everybody within the company is moving two three years um that's not really enough time to spend any quality mentoring process right uh and and because of the speed of the of the uh, industry now and because there's a lot of focus on digital uh i guess there are a lot of older people who do not feel comfortable in that environment and they're mm. not getting hired so you have a lot of young people who are, who just have to figure things out on themselves mm-hmm. mm. Right, so I'm not saying necessarily that, that that's a bad thing, but I think that is um the older writers probably have uh and i I told this to somebody before you know people who are there, who are in their forties, they might not be so fantastic in the actual nitty-gritty of the execution, but they do have the insights that they can share with the younger people, which then they can actually bring to to the execution, right, so there's some value there, I feel um yeah. Oh, writer's block. Okay, back to writer's block. <laughs> so yes, I definitely have writer's block. Um and that's mm. why I always I always tell people um uh, normally I would ask for a week to do an assignment. Mm. But I know I know that I'll probably be able to finish in one or two days if I'm very mm. focused. Mm. Right. And so that five days is in case I get writer's block, <laughs> 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 and uh, if I do get writer's block, uh, I, I don't recommend this, but and I and I think it's not healthy, but it works for me. Uh, normally what happens is uh I assign it to my the back of my mind, yeah. and just let my subconscious deal with it, right? So I, during yeah. that time, I'll just be looking around the world, maybe surf the internet, um, and then. When it comes nearer to the deadline, blind panic will take over. <laughs> <laughs> and I then the subconscious, we just jump up and say, okay, okay, here's all the information that you've gathered and uh, yeah. here's how you can put it all together. <laughs> that's, that's my process. Not recommended, it's not good for your mental health. <laughs> but that's my so, process.
1: So sometimes it's uh, the adrenaline rush of like the deadline itself and uh, it's something that kind of like pushes you to, oh, okay, I don't know, no choice, I have to do whatever it takes and to produce something. Uh.
0: Yeah, but that's right, that's right.
1: You, but you probably spend a lot of time like, you know, um checking things out, look, uh, wondering about things, looking at things, you know, just yeah. letting your mind wander itself. But I thought that maybe, you know, to me itself, I think this is also part of the creative process, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so... And I think it's unfortunate that in the fast-paced world today, not many people have this luxury. Mm. So I have this luxury because I'm a solopreneur, so I can tell people, mm. right? I can tell people, look, I've got some couple of other jobs on my hands. You know, give me some time. Uh, but if you're in a if you're working in an agency environment, then it's a very different story, right? Okay, client wants this tomorrow. Your boss says so, and you you have no choice. So. For those kind of situations, I'm very sorry. You just have to sit down and whack something <laughs> out. You know, there's no other choice. You don't have the luxury of time. Um, But what... One thing that I did last time... Yeah. Um, I consciously... I consciously gave myself very, very short deadlines in my... Uh, very early in my career. Uh, Because... Because I, I realised that... Time is money, right? As a as a freelancer, yeah. so if I wanted to if I wanted to earn a certain number of dollars per month, uh, there's only a certain number of hours I can I can produce, and then because I was naive, young, desperate, I charge very cheap, right? And uh, then I realized, wow, if I wanted to earn this number of dollars, I have to get this number of Jobs, and I can only spend this number of very short hours on a job. So so I train I really train myself to be very very fast uh, and very very accurate. Uh, and and that and that's where the people observing reading widely you know not just focus on one particular niche that I'm in but just reading having a lot of general knowledge, <laughs> right. And that's really helped me a lot because sometimes those ideas it just pops into my mind because of all the things that i've noticed before right it's, it's, yeah. otherwise if we are just circulating within a small the small niche that we're in it's it's it quickly becomes very tiring right even for the producer yes, content producer yeah. it becomes like oh, every other day is the same thing i'm not saying anything else so then it becomes yeah. tiring for us yeah and yeah. I think that that could be contributing to the writer's block as well because what else are you gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's a very really very powerful idea that you know sometimes we need to look outside, right? In order for us to be able to uh gain some insights and ideas, and sometimes the the connections will just it's very random, but the connections are there, and then you yeah. can actually activate like a, a a new point of view a new perspective. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So you, I, think, you, I mean you never know where it comes from, right? You, yeah. you you could be writing for example uh the main niche uh that you write for, for example, like for me I, I was when I was in the agency, ninety percent of the, the clientele was property. Ah. So every day property, property, property <laughs> was so dull. Yes, yes. But um but right now, after twenty years, I'm I have so much experience in property uh plus with experience in digital, plus with experience in uh PR and all these kind of things. If a property client comes along, I'm not only I'm, I can't I mean I'm not just able to tell you how to write property. I can pluck from various kind of experiences and say, Oh look, here's a three solution for you. Hmm. Right? So so there's a lot of, of advantage of looking outside a niche and, and really understanding uh more things than 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 the
1: usual. Uh. Sure. So I guess that it's really about how you are able to add more value to your prospective clients because you are able to have like different points of view in perspective. Right? I, also, I also see actually a lot of property agents today, their copy, their advertisements are already thinking outside the box because like, you know, I think there's only so much that they can actually, I you know that everybody's, everybody's trying to go into either insurance or property, especially yeah. in this uh, time of challenge, right? So I yeah, guess yeah. you know, it's a very very interesting how they are very, I you know, creative, and I think it, it's only possible because they are able to think like outside the box and look right, right.
0: different perspectives. Too. One of the one of actually one of the things uh I I see property agents in Singapore do, especially for the high end properties, they Ooh. do virtual walkthroughs, right? They they do yeah, video, they do, they do
1: yeah,
0: yeah, videos. Uh, that was actually one of the ideas I proposed to a, a a group of agents who were trying to sell a property. That was I think four, four five years back. Yeah. But they couldn't wrap their heads around it. Because Agent, right? Break if salespeople are pretty conservative. They're aggressive, but they're conservative. <laughs> so they had actually approached me to saying, Hey, what can can you help us do a social media campaign? Yeah. Right? Content marketing campaign. Uh I said okay. Then as I sat down and I thought about it, wait, 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 wait. There's something wrong here. We are doing a content marketing campaign to get people to call you, so that you can bring them to view the house. Then it just occurred to me, why don't we put videos of viewing the house on the internet, on your social media, right, so that the people who call you, you already know they're interested. Mm. Half the sale is done. Right, so instead of getting people to come and see whether they're interested, you are pre-qualifying them that they're interested so come and you know close yeah, the deal. Yeah. So but they, they couldn't get their head around it. <laughs> Which I'm very glad that the Singaporeans are doing it now. So it's validated my idea because I felt I felt a bit bad about it. Was it a bad idea? Was it did it make sense? Yeah. So so yeah, so I think I think there are a lot of possibilities if we if we are open minded if we know the wider world around us Mm. and we can see the possibilities of how things link together there's a lot of possibilities uh, now with with, uh, digital and social media
1: sure i guess i guess that's really uh this really It's about uh, i I think it's about connecting the dots okay about how i think maybe something is irrelevant to me now but somehow later along the way somehow it might connect and yeah the right idea the right moment right correct correct and that's one of the things that uh, uh,
0: one of the things that I picked up from OQB through his book, you know, is always be curious. You know, always mm. be uh curious about the clients. Uh, uh, you know, and he's he's famous for one of his Rolls-Royce ads. You know, um, uh, the headline goes something like, "At sixty-five miles per hour, the only thing you hear in the in the car is the sound of the clock ticking." Mm. And so, it's like, it just tells you, right, 65 miles per hour, I think it's 100km per hour. Uh, and typically, any car going 100km per hour, you hear wind noise, rubber noise, right? No matter how yeah. good your car is. Yes, but yes. in the Rolls Royce, all you hear is the clock ticking. Wow, that's quiet. <laughs> right? Inquiet. So Yeah, so, and, and he was describing, he only knew about this, and this exact headline was from one of the engineers in the Rolls Royce factory floor, right? So, so he, but typically the, the, the process today is the marketing guy will give you a brief. I want to focus Mm. on this and then you write. And then we have not been to the client's office or we have not been to the client's operations. We don't know anything. And then we just write and, you know, it becomes so sterile. So, so one faceted, right? It's, it's, and I mean, it's, it's just, there's no life to it. I feel there's no originality. Mm. Right and and I think it's contributing to the clutter outside there. Uh, in terms of all the marketing messages that we see. Hmm.
1: Yes, yeah, so there's no depth, and because you don't actually really become very curious about it, you need you, need, yeah. you need to sometimes dig deeper itself la. I think yeah, one of yeah. my uh, one of my uh mentors he ever said to me right that I, in order for you to know about something like sometimes you just got to go deeper like you it's a you just go like four centimeters wide but four kilometers deep this is the analogy mm. he always mm. tell me you need to go yeah. deep you need understand why be like that child who, if those of you who have children you know, you know that child who keep asking you why 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 yeah uh, yeah yeah to do that. right.
0: yeah that's right that's right and and this happened to me and one of my clients as well um hmm. they were a sugar producer yeah, and What can you talk about Sugar, right? They, want, <laughs> they wanted to <laughs> do a corporate video and they had hired a, a, a video team to do the script. Uh, and then they weren't really happy with the script and they asked uh, uh, they asked my team uh, in the PR company to go in and have a look. So we went in and have a look and we thought, okay, fine, this is a typically corporate video script, so what else do you want to do? Uh, and they were saying, no, not we're still not happy with it so we had a big power right got got the video team together got our pr team together got their management team together we all sat down and we started to go through the script you know and they were explaining why we wrote like this okay fine and um but typically we uh, it was a typical corporate video and uh, and my one of my the feedbacks I gave them was well some of these terms are really technical you know, and and you give them the and you give the, you give the uh, chemical terms of the things in the process. That's going to scare people because I, to me, I'm <laughs> eating sugar. Suddenly, I'm not just eating sugar; I'm eating chemicals, right? So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Let's bring the let's bring the production floor people up now. Eh? Oh gosh, this meeting is going to be long. <laughs> so they brought the production floor people up and they started to dis- uh describe what's happening in the production floor, and to us we are like. This is too technical. We don't understand this. Can you simplify the language or not? Mm. And the moment they simplified the language to help us understand, the bell started to click. I mean, the bell started to ring. The thing started to click. Oh, we understand mm. this now. This is fascinating. Oh, that's what this means. <laughs> and those guys were like, why are you so interested? This is, this is boring. Every day we do this. <laughs> so, so from that meeting, what happened was the video guys went back they took our feedback about the chemical uh, the technical terms right and they took the cue from the the production guys who actually describe it to us in, in layman terms and what they did was they tweaked the script to become like a David Attenborough kind of uh, BBC nature documentary oh nice so so yeah so, yeah, so <laughs> David Attenborough you know right he he has a way of describing it like such wondrous things <laughs> yeah. right yes, yes. And, uh, and and the script became yeah. that and suddenly we, it was like wow this is such an interesting script right instead of showing machinery and uh, blah 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 mm. you know we are, we, are, we are this great corporate responsible and clean sterile product producer it suddenly becomes uh, something that you can show your kids to hey this is where your sugar comes from right mm. so so I think I think that's where we are talking about you know when you go deep when you're allowed to explore, uh, then the really interesting things come on you know getting a brief on a piece of paper and writing according to that is, is really sterile you know mm. it's, it's you you, you, don't, you don't you don't you don't get that spark uh you know
1: mm. yeah, that spark to capture attention uh yeah. i also hear from i mean what you have shared it's really also about simplicity because people mm. don't care about the technical details, the jargon. Mm. And I think yeah. a lot of people make this mistake, right? especially if you're fresh out of the university right, and you write that uh, academic paper is full of jargon, it's full yeah. of like, words you don't understand. So I guess that sometimes it's about simplifying it but I think that uh, one of the advice I had uh, early in my career was that I think this someone told me that you need to be able to explain what you do to a five-year-old. If not, mm. you know, it doesn't, you know. If not, you do, you are not getting it right. Yeah, you need to yeah. be as simple as possible, right? Especially when you are trying to explain a complex concept and to simplify it. Exactly. Uh, actually, people th- people think that
0: being complex shows intelligence. Mm. Uh, actually, no. Being complex, the inability to simplify your message means you don't know it well enough, and that's a fact, right? Mm. Uh, if if you take the, the Simon Sinek golden circle, right, Start from Y. Yes. If you can't come down to the core, the Y is actually very simple, right? The Y is actually very simple. Like um, uh, I, I remember Microsoft last time, their, their Y is very simple. They want to see a computer on every desktop. Mm. As simple as that. How they're going to do it, uh, that's a whole different method. That's very complex, <laughs> right? Yes. So, so, but the why can be as simple as that. Uh, I've I seen recently their why has changed to be very complex. <laughs> so, <I> think, <laughs> so the culture has changed. But, yeah. but once you get to that very, very simple why, uh, then you can build a lot on it. Like for me, people ask me, what's, what's my why? Uh, so my why is actually... It has to do with helping people realize their potential
2: mm.
0: right and you can see in the way that I do you can see in the way that I, I, I speak and you can, you can see in the things that I talk about, right I always try to help people understand look uh, to be more effective, you need to understand this right uh, in, in my webinars, I, I don't give a lot of how tools mm. because to me, how tools are secondary. If you have the right mindset, whatever you tool, whatever tools you have in your set, uh, in your hand now, you can make it effective. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the mindset, I can give you ten of the most fantastic tools ever. You're not gonna maximize it, right? Like, like, uh, if you're in the kitchen, uh, I can give you those like five thousand dollar Japanese knives, you know, with the with the metal yeah. patterns. Yeah. If you don't have the skill to use it, what's what's the worth to you? Right, but if you have the skill, the real skill, I can give you a five-dollar knife from Daiso. You you can use it very well, right? So 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 for me for me I'm uh my why is the potential. If I can if I can show hmm. you the potential that you have, if I can help you understand things better, hmm. then you can really bring out the potential with whatever skills that you have, and then you build from there, right? Then you can bring in more. Uh, skill sets you can learn more skill sets and then you actually grow organically right with the with the proper foundation mm. so so having that why is really crucial right uh and and like you said if you can't explain it to a, a five-year-old or a ten-year-old uh you
1: probably don't
0: know it well enough
1: mm. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you need to know know it well enough to be able to simplify it. Yeah, and mm. to connect it to like to your why, like know well, what's yeah. the reason or intent behind doing something, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah so I think that's like a, such a powerful reminder for all of us. Even when we're doing our writing, we tend to want to think that you know the big bombastic words are always the ones that capture attention, but mm-hmm. it's useless. If, like nobody knows what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I once I once saw a, a journalist, I'm not sure how senior or junior that person was,
1: mm.
0: Um, for a national newspaper in Malaysia. Sure. And uh, a couple of his works got shared, not because of the news, but because of how he wrote. And people were saying, wow, he, he wrote, he writes so well. So I was curious, I went and had a look. He has a way with words, it's true, I have to acknowledge. But when it's every other sentence, oh my gosh, and it becomes like, okay, when, when is this barrage going to stop? When is this barrage of creativity going to stop? And when are we actually going to see the story? Yeah. So, so instead of, instead of flavoring the story with his fantastic style, it became the story was just a vehicle for him to express his style. Mm. Which I think it completely loses the plot because when you're writing a story for a paper, you want the story to come out. Right. Yes. That should be the focus. Not not on your fantastic writing skills. <laughs> yeah. So so I think I think that has to be clear as well, the clarity of uh uh as I mentioned the clarity of purpose mm. uh in, in what you do, in what you write. Mm
1: yeah so it's about uh, making the message clear itself rather than you know peppering it with like all these very nice you know all these very nice uh, flowery rengutage and all that just like you know you're eating like maybe the fish right but you know there's mm. a lot of like, condiments very nice condiments but the fish is not nice uh, I think yeah that's, like, besides
2: that's
1: right. the point yeah right mm. yeah so i think that's like very powerful uh now one more thing that i want to just ask you is this is that um you know in today's age Everybody mm. goes into content creation, so everybody talks about you know Instagram, TikTok. It's all about videos, live stream, mm. people talking, and all that. And um, what is the value of writing today as compared to like videos, pictures, and you know? all There's a lot of plethora of this kind of social media. Do you think that writing is still uh, relevant, and is it a uh, you know something that's still worth pursuing? Right, the 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 art of the of the pen or art of writing itself. Yeah,
0: I think there's a place for writing. Um... But unfortunately, in our world today, the algorithm I guess mm. does not favor writing. Mm. Uh, yeah, let me tell you a story. Um, one of my very viral uh stories last time, uh, mm. for seventeen thousand shares, was five thousand words. <laughs> wow, <laughs> five thousand words. <laughs> um, nobody would have thought that five thousand word article would go viral. Right? Uh, even the uh, the the website that published it, they they were hesitant at first. They they liked the story, but uh it's so long. But eventually they took a risk. Uh it's a 25 minute read. <laughs> right? So but today you have all these warnings on the on the article, right? This is a three-minute read, this is a four-minute read, yes, yes, nine-minute yes. read. I find that if I see that this is a 9-minute read, I hesitate. 4-minute mm. read, maybe I have time. 2-3 minutes, okay, lah, I'll just try it. I can't imagine. 25-minute read. Oh my God, okay. skip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no chance.
0: <laughs> so the algorithms do not favor writing. right? They, 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 it's, it's just done in such a way. So, But actually, even if you're doing videos, the foundation is still writing.
2: Mm.
0: right you need to create the script you need to yeah. create the flow you need to create uh, all these uh, unless you're you're one of those that don't care about all those and just do something crazy right mm. but if you want to have um, content that has real value that means it really makes an impact it's significant yeah. not not like those some videos i see. Uh, like yesterday I saw a video of okay how to make a, a steak with a waffle iron you know like Gosh, that's like a twenty minute video, and and that's crazy, right? People will spend twenty minutes watching some guy trying to force a stick into a waffle iron, but they won't read a twenty minute article. So anyway, so I think I think there is still a space, um, especially if you have something important to say, um, but I guess people's tolerance for mediocre writing is has gone down a lot. Mm. Because the speed has gone up mm. very much, right? The immediacy has gone up very much with video, with podcasts and things like that. Yeah. Um uh, I guess the next best thing would be podcasts, right? Uh, but even then that needs some form of a script, uh even though it can be impromptu. Um but I feel there is there is no replacing the written word because the written word is something you can revisit. Yes. You can revisit, you can read it again. Uh, and it's not as spontaneous as a, as a podcast or video, right? Because as a podcast or video, sometimes we're going stream of thought. But when somebody actually took the time to write, it's not stream of thought. It's it's actually they've have, they have constructed it very carefully, mm. right? So you're getting a, a, a content that uh, has the best of someone in it, right? Carefully constructed for, for the reader. So I think there is value in the in, in there is still a lot of value in the written word. Um but I guess I don't know whether we are swimming against the tide. <laughs> 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 but I guess uh time will tell time will tell. Yeah.
1: So I guess that to you writing itself is a genuine work of art well uh, becomes because it's that you know that hard work, that emotional energy that you pour into writing something that's very valuable to the reader itself yeah so i think that it's like you know it's something that you know it's a, it's kind of, I, I i guess it's a work of art huh? uh, in that something can something that can really um share you know uh, someone's inner thoughts or feelings or you know the different perspectives that they have right compared to like a video which is like oh you know it, now we talk about tiktok it's just like eight seconds ten seconds right you know it's just like uh you know it's uh, just for instant gratification right? Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Like, yeah, they cannot compare to like reading a book i think when i was young when we read books and then you know there's that you know suspense what's happening next what's happening next i mm. mean forward to that yeah. turning the yeah. page as if it's a good writing piece
0: uh, yeah I'm not sure I would call myself an artist. <laughs> uh, um I always tell people, right? And people and people tell me, hey Jason, you're you're a really good writer. I always tell people, no, I, I, I don't consider myself a good writer. Uh if I compare myself to JK Rowling, uh uh Arthur Conan Doyle, those are good writers. Mm, yeah. Because they have a way with words, they have a yes. they have they have a way with uh character building and all that. Uh for me. My writing development has been very um, uh, how would I say uh, very commercial, headed in the commercial direction, right? It's mm, it's yeah. about it's about um, it's about forwarding a message, right, and getting a response from audiences. So it's not so much about uh, expression, but having said that, uh, I find the best work that I do is the work that I i I feel personally invested in. Right? Because that's where you can really feel the the passion comes out in the writing. Right. And and um having realized that about myself, I so what I do is uh in every project that comes my way, what I try to do is I try to inject myself into the project uh and to really take ownership for it. So that I have some emotional connection, you know. I don't want to be writing like something sterile, just answering yeah. a brief, But if I can inject myself into it and I have some emotional connection to it and, and feel some kind of excitement and, and personal excitement and enthusiastic enthusiasm for it, uh, number one, it sounds better. Number two, it helps my workflow because I have a genuine interest in this to write this. Right? <laughs> it's not a it's not a chore that I have to do to to make a living. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I guess that it's a piece of yourself itself and you in, to make it personal to you and you realise that you know it's something that you will already put in a lot of effort in.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. And and actually I feel it, it helps in my personal growth as well. Mm. Because because if I'm not just delivering a product to a client, I'm taking an interest in the client's business, in the client's thoughts. Uh it helps me in my personal growth because my own mindset now becomes expanded, right? Yeah, because, that's true. Yeah. I'm I'm not just a writer delivering a product, but I am helping someone in the telco industry. I'm helping someone in the consultant industry. So it, my my world view, my understanding of the world expands. Mm, yeah. I
1: guess that you know it, it. has that you know it. It has that impact, lah, That you know when you make it personal, then you know you you're, you you have more depth, you have more breadth of knowledge, and then you can mm. use it next time for something later. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And also thinking when we talk about commercial selling or commercial writing itself. I think a lot of people don't like it. Uh, when mm-hmm. they are being sold something, right? So I guess that today especially the customers don't like it when you are reading, writing, reading something, reading an article or maybe it could be uh, a blog post, and then pe- at the end of the day, they say oh you need to buy this or uh, mm-hmm. when they are being outwardly uh, sold something so that they can mm-hmm. purchase something. But I guess that at the end of the day, you know our customers, the clients that you work for, you know at the end of the day their objective is really to maybe to make a purchase or so, and it could be mm-hmm. at the end of the user journey, maybe after a few posts, maybe after. A few more engagements itself. But I was wondering, right, as a writer itself, how do you engage the audience, right, without outwardly selling to them?
0: Uh, that really depends on on the client's objective. So some mm-hmm. clients they they want to sell, so uh, we we skew the post that way. Mm. Um, as a as a commercial writer, we really don't have the final say. We can advise. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, having having knowledge of the audience is important. So, so we can advise. Look, uh, the objective point we are doing this is to build your reputation.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
0: if we do too much selling on this, then it's going to feel awkward. Uh, but then, end of the day, it's still the client who decides. You know, so I really don't have an answer to this because it's <laughs> up to the client. But it it really comes back to the issue of clarity. Okay. because if the client is clear about what they want to achieve uh and the client is clear that this style of writing is going to achieve this this uh kind of results in this kind of time frame right then there's no mismatch of uh expectations it is only when people are unclear right i want i want this kind of results but i want this kind of execution right then okay, does it match? If it doesn't match, then you know we need to manage the expectations uh, of, of what's going on.
1: Yeah. So it's really uh, really a lot about clarity and uh, clarity. how you are, yeah. your clarity and how you align it to your your clients itself. Yeah. ultimately yeah. you are the one serving them itself uh, as a commercial right.
0: writer machine. That's right, that's right. Mm. So yeah. so so we we as a commercial writer we are not mm, yeah we have we have very little freedom the final sale right mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's basically
1: really up to the up to the client mm. yeah yeah thank you so much for that uh and yeah it's uh, thank you for sp- spending so much time with us this uh, afternoon also uh, and sharing all these golden nuggets right there I think that uh that you're leaving right as uh as we see young writers, content creators uh, pick up some of this knowledge so that they have a better way on a or maybe I would say these are better hacks. I think it's all hacks, insights and tips itself, but you still have to do the hard work of like yeah. understanding the purpose, the hard work of understanding who they are and you know, that hard work cannot you cannot run away from that itself. Uh. Yeah. So I think, I think, that, I think. that um One thing that I just want to ask, maybe one of the last questions that I want to ask you for uh, this evening itself is that what would you, what is one career advice you give to these young undergraduates navigating their way through the world of work, still maybe the first year of work, Mm -hmm. or maybe just graduating around the corner? So, what is one advice, right, that you might want to give them? Okay, I
0: think one of the most important advice I could give is to go out and live your life. Mm. Um because I know I know we all want to have a sense of purpose and meaning in our life, but I think yeah. that is that is sometimes we take it to such an extreme where we feel we cannot fully function if we don't feel that sense of purpose. Right? Yeah. And then we go through life feeling like listless, zombified, and mm-hmm. then we feel frustrated. Um but that's the thing. If we are going through life feeling listless, zombified and we're not fully participating in our life and our work, uh, guess what? It's going to make you feel more zombified because you are not <laughs> fully being alive in what you do. Yeah. Right? So so I my advice would be to dive right into whatever you're doing now, give it all your best, and you never know if you have given it all your best and it doesn't work out, you will know for sure that it didn't work out because you gave it your best. Yeah. Then you know it's time to move on. Mm. But if you gave it your best and then it suddenly turned out like, hey, this might lead to somewhere, then there's also a direction for you. Mm. Right? Rather than hoping and to discover your purpose in life and meanwhile just being very bland about everything else. Just go out there and dive in, you know, and and participate in in, in life, in your work, in 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 uh, associations, in clubs, in sports, whatever it is, right? Just go out there and live your life, and then you will find your way, right? You will find your way.
1: So it's uh, really to deep dive into what you're doing because I think that a lot of people maybe they watch too many zombie apocalypse movies today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I think they' just like you know uh, they like to they like to just follow what other people do or do it halfway right so I guess like mm. sometimes even if you're the only one doing it, you need to just deep dive into it and you know at the end of the day mm-hmm. you, know, if you give a hundred percent it could lead to some to something or otherwise you know you can always uh, pivot to do something else, yeah, that's right
0: because my my dad always told me right uh, mm. don't don't be afraid of losing out no don't be afraid to rookie, yeah because because whatever whatever you have experienced is with you it stays with you forever that is our experience is our asset right so so even if it doesn't work out uh fine in this context it didn't work out you never know if that experience will work out in another context yeah right so so it's it's really about going and getting you know
1: that experience I think that's really valuable right the experiences itself is like you know you collect yeah. these experiences and you know one thing will lead up to another uh, You never even, know even
0: failures even failures are mm. amazing experiences right um of course failure is is something that's not easy to accept uh I, I had to learn to have a different relationship with failure right last time I was so afraid, afraid of it uh, but eventually after many years you know I I, I managed to shift my mindset to, to see failure as just another learning experience uh as long as nobody died i didn't go bankrupt you know i the loss was something i could live with you know uh it is a valuable experience and even if it was a disaster uh i believe you know there there has to be some meaning that we can learn from it
1: I guess that it's about feedback, right? Because I think that one of the best advice that I've well, I was given, right, was that, uh, to oh, one of the best advice I was given was that I was told that failure don't treat it personally, I just mm. treat it as information, as feedback yeah. on how you can do better itself. Because if not, it yeah. will just consume you, you know. Yeah, Correct. So that that is a great mm.
0: that is a great mindset. Yes. Yeah. Mm.
1: Thank you so much, Chi uh, Seng, for your time this evening. Uh,
0: thank you so much, Rizan, for, for mm. having me over. It's, it's a real privilege to to yeah. It was a very you. nice
1: conversation. I really uh, enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, really, very insightful.